and welcome to Bad End Podcast. This is episode number 114. I am Josh Calixto, uh, joined as always by my co-host, Kyle Cookstell. Kyle, how are you doing? Hi, Josh. I'm doing all right. It's been a minute. It's been a very long minute. Um, If y'all didn't notice, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus due to Kyle putting out a video game called Cantata, which let's talk about that for a sec. Sure. What was that like? First of all, congrats. I've said this to you, but congrats. It's, it's awesome. The game is looking super sweet. Like I, I just, I was playing and I felt like I was talking to Kyle again. You, <laughs> you, know? you said like, like something weird on the discord. It's like, Oh, it's like meeting your kid's son. It like, is. Oh, that's like, <laughs> it's like, this is so Kyle, you know, yeah. I think we that should was, also, we should introduce our guest too. So we can get into it. I don't want him just to sit around because he's also on the video just being quiet. Okay. Let's get polite. We are being joined polite. by a guest right now who I, I won't delay any longer. It's, it's always hard to know like when, when to intro the guest, but this is I, mean, I could uh, talk about cantata for a long time, so I'm like, we got to yeah, get yeah, him in. You're right. You're right. I thought you were just going to say, oh, it went well, and then we'll. <laughs> it went well by. You're like, oh, Josh doesn't actually care, so I'll just say it went well. <laughs> um. Anyway, the guest today, uh, a good friend of ours from back in the kill screen days, now over at Polygon. Uh, this is Tucson Egan. Tucson, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us what you're doing and where you've been, how you like, you know, just, just what, what, what you do. Oh, oh, thanks. Uh, so I'm Toussaint. I work as an associate curation editor for Polygon, which basically means that um, I'm in charge of finding cool and interesting art, games, movies, and the stuff like that. And just like introducing it to our audience. And I'm also the resident anime boy. So I also write about anime a yeah. lot. Um, so that's what I've been been up to for the past uh year and a half now it's been it's been weird it's been been weird it's weird to say that it's weird weird, it's weird to say that i work for polygon it's been even weirder to say that i've worked for polygon for a year and a half it's like wow i also think you're you're kind of like a uh uh you're like a a think fluencer in the happening you've got (laughs) i feel like your twitter presence is very sort of curated where it's it's the sort of like it's not just you shit posting. You're kind of like trying no. to actually add value to the feed. Oh yeah, so absolutely. It's, it's nice to follow you. Cause you're like, here's things that are cool and like pictures yeah. and yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. the, yeah. that's <laughs> hard to do, dude. That's like really hard to do. Deuce has been grinding on it for, I feel like three or four years. It's just, I know yeah. that's your Twitter presence and it's just like yeah. every day, just a little bit getting it up there and then kind of right. slowly. Yeah. So I, I've appreciated that. Of course. Thank you so much. A huge appreciation for that. Like, obviously, we're still playing games, right? Right, Tucson? Are you still playing? Oh, absolutely. Right. Oh, yeah. I recently uh, finished Citizen Sleeper, and I'm trying mm. to inch my way into uh, Hard Space Shipbreaker because I played that around the time when it first launched on Early Access. But since the 101 update, I, it's been hard to go back to it just because they wiped all the progress. And I understand mm. what they did. But yeah. it's just like... I got to save that for the weekend because I can't be doing that during a weekday. Okay. I got to go to bed at some point. I got to go to work in the morning. I can't do that. Can't get yeah. off my job to start my digital job. of. Exactly. It's basically a digital job. Yeah. 
Hearts Priest, that's an interesting game. I again, I I was the same deal where I only played it toward the very beginning, but mm-hmm. we'll probably revisit it. Um, but yeah, I would love to talk, just shoot the shit about some anime with you later down the line. We're gonna sure. jump into some video games in just a sec. First of all, I want to get to some housekeeping stuff. First of all, um, we put out a video on the bad end um, YouTube for those listening to the podcast, mainly podcast listeners who haven't gotten the chance to check it out. It's a video essay. I'm trying to do video essays. I've got like a goal of doing six essays in six months, which is going to be tough. But that's ambitious. The second one is underway, almost finished. The third one is like already being written and like. I have a smaller topic for that one because this shit's hard. Um, it's a very good video essay, might I add. I did watch it. I oh, loved it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if people could just like, if you like it. I mean, do you want to say what it's about? It's about uh, Paradise Killer and Vaporwave, the two of which are uh, intertwined very, very intimately. And it's just about the culture of Vaporwave, the history uh, and how that ties into like what with what the game is trying to do. Uh, I learned a lot about Vaporwave, learned a lot about Paradise Killer and like just became such a such a huge fan of that game in the process, like stuff that was I had already had in my mind, just kind of putting it in a more cohesive way like that and cutting it all together um, just brought all that love and passion for it for, together. So it was really cool to put that out. It came out. I felt like it came out really good. So um, I'm just going to keep creating content as it were, <laughs> we, we got to have another conversation about that concept uh, in a second. But yeah, just if you haven't gotten the chance, check out the YouTube channel, check out some of our past streams, uh, check that out and give us a subscribe because we're going to be putting out more good stuff on there. The other big thing is if you can't tell on our stream right now, we have a new design. Um, this is kind of just a preview of what you're seeing on the stream. We've got this new visual design, so that's going to be launching uh, with the, this podcast episode when it goes live on wherever podcasts are found. So you'll see the new cover art soon. And we also have bad end merch coming, uh, to the web. So you can finally rep uh, bad end on a shirt. Yeah. The merch is looking yeah. cool. It's exciting. <clears throat> I designed it myself. Maybe I shouldn't be saying that cause it's, <laughs> <laughs> but I, Josh has great taste. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. W- designed it myself with, uh, you know, direction from professionals <laughs> like me, D- like like Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the I'm a creative professional. Yeah. Speaking of which, let's get back to Kyle here because I really me. am curious. How's how was everything with Cantata? How's how's that going? How's it being received? How, and it's how going, are you doing? How are you holding up? It's going well. It's funny, like kind of releasing basically next to Gareth did citizen sleeper were sort of like release buddies i think that gareth was in the our releases were within like a week of each other he excuse me they also have like obviously a much bigger audience than after school does but i think it's been sort of it's just been interesting watching citizen sleeper and then watching kind of cantata um because i sort of feel like where gareth was at like you know when they did um in other waters. waters yeah i sort of feel like in that kind of place because the game like Cantata is, I mean, I'm not a millionaire to, to be clear, um, but the game is like, it's doing well. Um, it's, it's finding like, it's, it's, we, it's a weird game. So if you, if people haven't like know about Cantata, it's a character driven tactical strategy game set in the spiritual sci-fi world. It's like got really, it's a, it is like effectively a strategy and logistics game. That's got art style that kind of looks like Mobius or whatever, 
but it's like very deep. Um, so I think that it's got enough like weirdness that I'm, we're finding people who are like really attaching to it. And it's also our cantata's early access release. Like we have like a, you know, year long roadmap. Citizen sleeper is like out. Um, but I think that what's, that's there now is like a very solid seed. Like the game is like, like I think it's at like 90% positive on steam with, I think like 40 something reviews. Um, people have like, there's only, there's like the map editor and then three campaigns in the game out of nine. And people, I think on average probably have like five to 10 hours, which is what we would expect. But we're already seeing people who have like 30 and like a hundred hours in this game are leaving us these like glowing reviews. So I think it's this kind of thing that's like really finding its audience of people who understand that they want this kind of thing. And then it's kind of like disseminating um, through. So it's been, it's been sort of interesting to launch it because the, the other thing too is that like the game launched effectively weren't like no bugs, but there were like no game breaking bugs. So it launched, it was super stable. People love playing it. Um, and I think just watching people play it and kind of like resonate with it as something that's really weird. I'm sure Gareth feels sort of similar for Citizen Sleeper. It's just been really cool to be like, oh, this is not just something that I think is cool in my head. There is some external validation there. And like seeing people put up, you know, videos on YouTube or streaming it or whatever um, has been really cool. So yeah, I, it's, it's, it's weird because it's, you know, it's, it's out, but it's also the start of a longer road to, or not a longer road, but it's the start of a road to early access or early, excuse me, from early access to 1.0. So it's, you know, getting a lot of feedback from the discord, really kind of shaping the game to be the best version of itself. Um, so yeah, well, I mean, it's going well, honestly, having played a bit of it now, it's like, I can really honestly say that it's like, there's nothing else like it out there. <laughs> and I'm not just, I'm not saying that in like an, it's weird sort of way or that like, Oh, it's different. Like sort of way. I'm, I mean, like truly like when I was playing, I was like, Holy shit. I've never, the way that the art comes together with the way that the design works and just like the way that everything is written. And if I'm going to make like a bad end ish observation that I would make about like the average game that I play, I, I feel like with Cantata, like, Every game is recursive. Every game feels like it's built on like what other games have done. But I think that you did something really neat with Gantata, which is that it feels like you've almost, even with mechanics that have been in other games before, you're like approaching it through like new eyes as someone who's like building an entirely new system, entirely new game. So even if you're using things that like I have seen in another game before, like it feels fresh because there's like a sense of novelty with the way that it works in Cantata. And then along with just like the art yeah. and the way it's written, it's just such a fucking sick combo of how all this stuff works. <laughs> and I'm just like excited to see where it goes because I mean, again, as, as we we're talking about with Gareth and whatnot, it's like you, you can only, I feel like when you're doing a very first launch, like there's so many lessons that you learn. Like think about how much Gareth has learned after putting out, in other waters like you're going to learn and yeah. it's going to continue to improve cantata as well so i'm like super excited to see where it goes but, but even just this what you've put out so far is like really like the combo of the aesthetic what's going on aesthetically as long as well as the mechanics or stuff that i haven't seen before so that's i mean that's like typically one of the things that we praise on this show so i mean i do really Thanks, dig man. that about it it's yeah it's it's also funny because it's like it's funny this this is like this isn't like totally inside baseball but like on the discord 
you know, I think that the super culture has cultivated an audience of people that are very into stuff like Citizen Sleeper. Mm -hmm. And so we have a lot of people who are like, oh man, I just like played through all of Citizen Sleeper. Good job. Gareth is, for those who don't know, Gareth runs Heterotopia as part of the super culture family. So they're kind of active in the discord or whatever. So I was like, good job, Gareth. So cool. I love, and it's like, it's, it's like Citizen Sleeper is very much like a super culture game. It's like all this, all the stuff that we'd like to talk about and kind of all the ideals we hold. And like Cantata is like not that. <laughs> and it's it's funny kind of seeing people be like, oh, I'm going to give Cantata a go next. And I'm like, you really don't have to like, <laughs> don't do it. Like it's, it's, <clears throat> it's a weird thing that is like pivoting around some like newer concepts for like logistics and strategy games. And we do like kind of not like trap people, but we do kind of catch people who come in for like the aesthetic and stuff and are able to introduce them into a different style of gameplay that I think they would potentially like if Cantata just looked like a world war two battle game or whatever, people wouldn't give it the time of day. So I do think it has that kind of like, um, like, uh, I don't know, not like cross media. It's got like a, it's able to cast a wider net of people who might be interested in it, especially because of like Artem's art and stuff. Mm. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I see like people in Superculture Discord being like, "Oh, I like Citizen Sleeper," and that's made by Superculture person. I bet Cantata's like. I mean, the same Citizen like, Sleeper is like, all, was also oh. on Game Pass, so. Yeah, you do have to. You do have to buy Cantata, um, <laughs> but I think it's just, it's just funny because like, I don't know. I don't know if you've like if either of you have like ever made anything that's like your own thing that you want to share with somebody. Like, I guess like we're all been writers, right? And you have people around you that like want to support you, so like. Like I like grew up in the South and so I've got these like Southern women that my mom talks to and she's, they're like, Oh, I want to play his game. Can I download it on the iPhone? And it's like, you really don't want to play like, yeah, but I don't, you, like, I think I appreciate I don't the think support, it's the same but, like, thing with not, people. I don't think it's the same thing with super culture people at all necessarily. I think, I think, I guess what I'm saying is that it is like, it is a fucking strategy game. We got some strategy gamers in the chat. We got some strategy people. I think that's that's fine. I just think it's funny that people try to like show support and be like, I'll play your game. And I'm like, don't. They like, better fucking play your it's, game. It's, that's all I'm saying. It's not for you. Like, it's not for you. Um, I mean, hey, that's... But see, I don't... It's like... Like, just imagine being the guy that like made RimWorld or something and you're trying to like convince your like... <laughs> parents friends at like a party in the suburbs to like play your video game and it's like or like factorio right like no one's gonna like yeah no it's just, it's 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 sort of like related to the like this is a different conversation we can in this but like it's sort of related to that thing about like games that sort of do well on twitter um as like sort of a you know their own sort of genre as a thing and i think that when people assume that you have a game and you're making a game that you're you're making something that's the equivalent of that it's like Oh, I can play it on my iPhone. I don't have to like think about it or whatever. And you're making like a match three candy crush game. So when it's like, Oh, I'm making a logistics and strategy tactical game. And they're like, nice. is that like Flappy Bird? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's also, I mean, I think so, so many times I got a lot of pent up bad end stuff, but there's also just this, this degree of like even explaining. I mean, I'm sure Gareth has the same issue as Citizen Sleeper, but um, like explaining Cantata to someone that like doesn't understand games, which are the people who are like, oh, I want to play your game. What's it like? And then you kind of have to like feel out the references. And I'm actually pretty consistently surprised how much most people have zero knowledge of strategy games at all. Um, so the thing I often reach for is like risk. I'm like, oh, it's kind of like risk. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. And that's, that's basically the end of the conversation, which is just, I don't know. 
whatever. Well, what's your real? I don't mind. What's it. your real comparison, though? <clears throat> I say it's like Advanced Wars with logistics, or I'll say like Advanced Advanced Wars, or if people really know games, I'll say like it's kind of like Total War Civilization, but like a little bit more simple. Or I'll say it's like a four X game. It's kind of like a three X game. Um, it's got a <laughs> lot got of very gamey references, pitches. but it's for yeah, sure. I've been doing it for a minute. Yeah. Um, doing that whole grind. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah, all, all that said, reception has been really good. We have a really great community. People are excited. People are building maps already in the map editor. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm just, I'm so proud of you, man. Thanks, I'm Josh. So proud of you. I do remember when the trailer <laughs> dropped, you were like, bro, <laughs> what? <laughs> that was my reaction when I was playing. You're like, that's Katana. I was like, what? I was reading some of like the tool tips and stuff and I was like, Kyle wrote this 100% dude. <laughs> and then I was like doing the stuff and I was like getting satisfaction out of doing like really random shit. And I was like, I was like, oh dude, you could put the guy on the fucking on the on the truck and he's like in there. The dude on the truck, man. And it's he's like there, transportation. Bro. And I'm seeing the oil go from my refinery along the supply lines. I'm <laughs> like, this is so sick. And uh, and that's when I knew. Like it was just I just felt like you were with, there with me, you know? I was just sitting there watching you. <laughs> um anyway, we've been playing Anyways. other video games as well. Um First, but first, uh, go check out Kyle's game on Steam. Thank you very much. Cantata. Wishlist Cantata. C-A-N-T-A-T-A. I guess you can oh, buy Cantata yeah, on Steam. Purchase Cantata. You don't have to just wishlist it anymore. You, you don't have to wishlist it. it. But also, I kind of want to talk about some of the games you've been playing. Maybe V Rising, because you also wrote a recent article, a recent piece for your blog that I want to talk about some of the I themes did. of that. Did you read it already? Yeah, I read it. Oh, damn, dude. It's only been out for like three hours. You just write on there. I appreciate it. But it's a good love. conversation to have here. Um, it is a good conversation to have. Because, and it, dude, you don't find blog posts like that anymore. I remember like five <laughs> years, six years ago, that shit was a dime a dozen. Nowadays, I got some real think piece not, shit dropping on blog.com. You do not find the stuff of that caliber out there these days. Um, the world, at least in that volume, I should say. Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about V Rising, and then we can kind of talk about the context of what your blog was. Yeah. Deuce, have you played V Rising? I have not played V Rising. I have heard of V Rising, and I very much want you to describe to me V Rising. I haven't played it either, and I'm in that boat too. I mean, so I played a little less than two hours of V Rising, and it's it's hard to talk about it without talking about the thing I just wrote, but the, I don't know, the pitch of V Rising is... It's like a oh actually does does ARPG stand for action RPG yeah. or adventure RPG? Action RPG. It is yeah. action, yeah. right? Yeah. Action RPG. Yeah. So V Rising is like an action RPG game that's in a open world server and you can like build so you're I guess so you're a vampire um running around this open world. It's an instanced, it's like a procedurally generated instanced world that you share with some number of other players, um, like on the on a you know, a public PVE server. I think you can do maybe up to like 24 Um, or you can have a private server and you're a vampire and you're running around basically kind of like playing Diablo. And the kind of differentiating factor is that 
there is this strong crafting element where you can like gather resources around the map and those resources allow you to like build up your castle. So you're kind of building this like persistent yeah. vampire castle in this like PVE world um, while also effectively playing Diablo. So your castle is like giving you, um, you know, it's like a, gives you like persistent, it's kind of like acts as a way to give you persistent bonuses as well as like have other just sort of like stuff. So you can go, it's like, it's a base, right? You go back to your base, you resupply, you do some level up stuff, you do, you know, whatever. And it's kind of got this whole vampire theme. So you're, you know, making cathedrals or whatever. And it's like dark and this looks like um, Diablo, some cool stuff. except you also pick up wood. Yeah. And like, <clears throat> basically, stone, you know, or if you want to be really generous, you can say it's sort of like Valheim meets Diablo. Um, and so I played, so this game is like blowing up steam right now. It's actually by the studio that did battle, right? So the, if you remember, there's, I think like two iterations of, there was something called battle, right? I believe. Uh, and then there was another one called like battle, right? Legends maybe, but it's basically kind of like Josh, you and I actually played mm -hmm. this like forever ago. It was like, and it's an arena combat game where it's like teams of two or three people basically playing, uh, like a PVP ARPG game against each other. And so the studio has this sort of like really core competency and like building really great, um, ARPG style control Wait. schemes. And so V rising is like the same. Yeah. Thing. I think that's like the meat of it, which when I was playing battle, right. Or I was like, if this was, this is a really cool control scheme in that it's like, it's, if you think about a MOBA, except instead of being controlled by clicking all over the screen, you use WASD, right? You don't click everywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then all yeah. of the the actual <clears throat> skills and abilities you use are like skill shots that you aim. So yep. you don't just, you're not just clicking yep. on stuff. You are actually aiming things and shooting at stuff. So it, it's sort of like, a, um, you might think of almost like a twin stick shooter, but I, I would say it's almost like a better twin stick shooter sort of scheme yeah. for playing a game because you have more skills and abilities that you can map out. But I always thought like, damn, this, this would be kind of cool if it was transported onto some kind of a vampire theme open, open world, world game pve world yeah like torchlight well josh i have news for you looter. that game exists and it's called v rising and my takeaway is that it's fine yeah <laughs> it looks like is it's fine yeah. like i i i was like playing it and i was like what like it, it's it's kind of got the same like um i don't know the kind of like fervor that strikes something on this, this is the kind of game that we reflect on at the end of the year and say damn this is this is one of those games that when we talk about the surprise hits that no one's expecting that hit and then that become like defining features of the mm -hmm. year like Valheim was last year. Yeah. Um, this is kind of like that game for 2022. It seems right now like some giant like 1 million CCUs like, you know, it's a ton of people are playing this game or something. Right. Uh, maybe not 1 million CCU. I think it's like it sold a million copies or something. But anyways, it's like doing super well. And I was like tearing up steam. And I was like, oh, I kind of like these things. And I like tried it. And I was just like, it. so I played this game for, again, like a little less than two hours. And then like some other things are happening right now. So I don't know if you all saw like the grit gameplay, the like NFT blockchain <laughs> Western battle royale thing. Then there was this guy like posted on LinkedIn where he was like, the year's 2030. You just checked your RuneScape mobile app and saw that your friend dropped you like six diamond ore. That ore can be used in this like space game that's coming. It's just like bullshit, like VC hypothesizing about like the future. And then just some like other shit that was like floating in the air where I was like, 
it's time to post. I like sat down and I was like, let's fucking crack open a beer. Like it's 2012 and write a think piece. And I did sort of inspired by all this stuff. And the, the kind of the thrust of the piece is like, what the fuck is going on with game design? Like, why is V rising so popular or like, why, why does V rising exist? It's not just about that, but like, basically the stuff I'm kind of bringing up is that there's a certain like design conservatism. I, I called it uh, like game design mimetics that is very, very uh, backwards looking from a game production standpoint, in part due to the kind of precarity of game production in general, especially like a higher end where the best way to potentially hedge your options for making money on a big game is to do stuff that like already worked. Uh, and then that was, the the piece I cited at the very start of my piece was this piece about wow classic, um, just kind of existing. And that's like a, I think, I think it was like a 13 year time differential between wow releasing and wow classic. And then also just in writing it, call of duty, modern warfare two is currently coming out. Um, which is about, I think that was like nine years ago or no, that was 11 years ago. And then today the uncharted remake launched, which is like nine years ago. And it's just like, what the fuck is going Like, why are we seeing so many remakes? Why and are then last of us? Like, remake. Not, why is, yeah, not to mention the last of us part one that was Sorry, announced the, today. The last of us. Oh wait, really? Did you see? Yes, this? really. Oh it, dude, it literally looks yes. exactly like. It looks exactly like the fucking original game. It's just Kyle, like, you, you are speaking this into existence. You need to stop. Oh it's my like, God. I, I literally published this during the summer game fest. And I was like, damn, I'm publishing this during like the biggest fucking circle jerk of the year. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so basically I don't, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about specific things. You have specific stuff, but the, the, the piece is like, what the fuck is going on with game design? And so my, my general thesis is kind of looking at the, general like economic precarity of games production as this thing that kind of forces more conservative design and sort of thus um, closes the window of possibility for the future, almost to the point where there's like a, I don't know, almost like a design singularity that then game just games just kind of like collapse and the world moves on. So it sounds more thinky than it maybe actually is, but I did enjoy writing it because listeners of bad end know that, I've talked in the past about like culture being over. <laughs> so this is kind of me actually saying more about what I mean when I say that. Um, and as we saw today, literally happening uh, or ending at least as um, we speak. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if that resonates with you at all. Tucson. Like, have you had I think it does. Yeah. I, um, as somebody who, has to keep up on Marvel television shows and Marvel <laughs> Marvel movies and I look it's, I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not gonna get into some like culture war about like admonishing or just like dumbing that that stuff down it's just like it just feels like haven't I seen this before didn't I see this like last week didn't I see this like yesterday I, I start to feel that feeling a lot mm -hmm. yeah um, they're covering that stuff yeah and I mean it's weird because Kate Bush has a single charting <laughs> running up that hill running up that hill and it's like because it was on stranger things which is in fucking yeah. like season what four now that's why yeah i didn't know that I dude there is this there is this great um 
I think it was Vinkatesh Rao maybe who said this, but somebody in the like thinky less wrong sphere of the internet mentioned that every time a new Netflix show drops, it's like the, it's like our collective society gets like a patch and like updates because there's like, there's weirdly like disseminated culture, but then there's also this weird monoculture where like everybody saw the queen's gambit or everybody that's like interested in seeing stuff saw all the same stuff. And so you have this weird thing where like, yes, there are 60 million streaming services, but also it's dominated by a small number. And like when Netflix puts out a season of something, it's like filtering all of that into the collective consciousness of society such that like Kate Bush can chart in fucking 2022. Yeah. Which is like, like it's what? so, I mean, it's also strange too, because I feel like these past few years I've really aged where I think about how like 2018 was like five years ago or four years ago or whatever. And it's like, wow, I was, I was like young in 2018 and now I'm like old, <laughs> which is like fucking weird, you know? Like, or, and it's weird because my window of that happening was like right when the pandemic started, basically. So, like, it feels yeah. especially like I just fucking hopped in a chamber and came out, and all of a sudden I'm old, you know, theoretically. Dude, I feel like part of the reason that I, you know, I was off on hiatus was because like we bought a house. Yeah. And like, and so when we left New York City to like move upstate in New York for like almost two years. And it just sort of feels like I was 27 and then like the like guillotine came down and now I'm like 31. Yeah, that's it's and such a fucking weird thing. And like part of it is 100% the pandemic and part of but part of it is this like weird cultural freeze that was, I think, exacerbated by the pandemic. But also what part of what I'm kind of getting at here is that it's also weird because I feel like I should feel more left out than I actually am. When I think about it, I haven't actually, <laughs> dude, do you know when the last time I watched like a normal fucking TV show is like, it must've been maybe squid game. That's like the last big event TV that I saw. <laughs> and before that, I don't really even know what the fuck it was. Cause I've just been watching like 20 year old anime and it's weird because people will still just talk about new shit. Right. And it's like, yeah. oh, the new, did you see the new Stranger Thing? Oh, no, I like saw the first two seasons and people were like, oh, it's gotten way worse. But that's still the, that's like still the conversation. And you still like have a baseline understanding of what Stranger Things kind of is. So it's like, I'm still, right. I'm not like completely locked out of that conversation. But it's like a new Pokemon game comes out. It's even if I didn't play it, it's like, I know exactly what fucking Pokemon is. I'm never going to feel left out of the Pokemon right. conversation because <clears throat> they just added a fucking couple new Pokemon to the thing. Like, I'm never going to feel locked out of the Ninja Turtles conversation, the fucking Thor conversation, the goddamn, like, Sonic conversation. Like, I like, it's all just happening over and over again. And whereas I think a part of it is that our generation has been so stingy about, like, not letting things go. And being like, oh, we want more Sonic. We want more Mario. I think it's, I think it's like the generation above us though. It's like the, it's like the people that are yeah, like, like 10 years yeah. older than us that are like in cultural power. And we're able to like, like Netflix didn't exist 20 years ago for someone that was our age to like rise to like the top or whatever. So th that's why that's, I don't know if you touched on this actually. I haven't watched your video essay. I'm, I'm sorry. I did watch an early draft of it, fine, but I remember if like you talk specifically about like, vaporwaves like thing with 80s aesthetics and there's something about like this like weird 
like eclipse or arc that gets drawn between like 80s like ready player one shit and vaporwave so you've got like vaporwave at the time right is like the biggest i don't know it's it's like it's like a big deal underground music thing that feels sort of like in some ways forward looking but then it's it's arc comes back to like also remediating like 80s culture and it sort of feels like the past 10 years have been those two points in time kind of like moving more and more close together where the range of experience started at like, okay, well we can remediate culture from 1980 to 2015. And now it's like 1986 and 2011. And now it's going to be 1990 to like 2004. And then it's just kind of like this squeak, like the fucking, what's the new, um, the new like battle, the new like smash bros game by let's like cartoon network. Oh, shit. like Nickelodeon, something there are two there are two there's multiverse there's multiverses i'm thinking multiverse and then there is the nickelodeon battle all stars thing or whatever that those are happening at the same time it's just like okay well so like multiverse let me pull this up real fast multiverse on the cover of the page right now on the website is fucking shaggy from scooby-doo and like bugs bunny like yeah. how much fucking cultural capital? This is like a big game that's being made by fucking WB, and they're like, the the person to pitch this game with is fucking Shaggy, and I'm like, what? Like twelve not, year old has and any not interest just Shaggy. in Shaggy? Not just Shaggy, Ultra Instinct Shaggy, a meme that was then retroactively like adopted by <laughs> Warner Brothers. Are you aware of this? God, no, no I have no, no idea. Yeah, it's it's basically just like this weird, like sort of fusion of Dragon Ball Super. I did, but not if see if this. like Shaggy was in this, and that's what his ult, that's what his uh, his superpower is in this game. That's his like ult. He turns into like Super Saiyan Shaggy. Oh my god! Well, like even like Nickelodeon All Stars, right? Like, Ava- like Avatar: The Last Airbender, fucking Danny Phantom, mm-hmm. uh, Rin and Stimpy. Like these are shows that have not been on air for like the past decade. And Nickelodeon is like, we're going to make a new game. And even though we're Nickelodeon and like a kid's brand and basically show like live action TV during prime time, we're going to like make a show about these, all these old characters because like we're basically the audience of our life. Like it's fucking weird, man. I, I don't really know even where to go with this. Cause it's, it's- <laughs> it's fucking grim at times i don't know the big thing with vaporwave is that like it gets you into that that mode of a lot of i think media which is like you don't have to think about anything when you're doing this and it's just like turn off your brain and enjoy right right where everything is just that where it's like playing v rising you're just clicking i i we were literally just watching the gameplay on here and it's like there must have been five minutes out of like 10 minutes of just someone ta- like clicking on rocks. And it's Dude, like, I was like just five, sitting 10, there like 15, chopping trees down stone. Yeah. for like five minutes. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, I was like, this is stupid. Like, this is like, I'm getting sad playing this game. But I'm just sitting here. Like I'm trying to have like a good experience playing a game for like the two hours after my job. And I'm like fucking chopping trees down. And I'm like, no, I, it's fun yeah. the first time you chop down a tree, but then like, you know, the 60th game that's like chop down trees to get lumber. Then you have to take the lumber to the sawmill to make planks 
planks you use to make the stuff in your castle. And that produces sawdust that you can then recon. It's just like, dude. And it's, dude, it's also so fucking funny seeing like the creators and the directors who are forced to make this stuff. Like I just watched the Chippendale rescue Rangers movie, uh, which is lonely Island. Um, it's a lonely Island movie, which I love hot rod. So hot rods, the best movie ever. It made sense, but it's so sad. Like, you can hear the people who direct all every single one of these fucking movies, whether it's Christopher Nolan doing Batman three or whatever, the dark Knight. That's what it was called. Right. And the dark Knight rises and shit. The, yeah. There's how it's been more than a decade that we've been being, doing the fucking theme about how like sad Batman. No, no. I'm talking about the, like re the gritty reboot theme. That's always like, Oh yeah. It's a cycle. It, like a story about <laughs> how stories like are like breaking the cycle and shit like that. This like meta storytelling of like sometimes like nostalgia is bad for us. Like the Star Wars thing. Star Wars did it where it was like Kylo Ren thing. He's like obsessed with Darth Vader and it's like, oh, maybe like being obsessed with the past is bad. How many times have we seen different directors try to deal with this shit? And it's the exact same thing. And you can basically hear them saying like, help me, let me fucking out of here, bro. I don't want to do this reboot of a reboot of a reboot. They're all doing the exact same thing. It's the exact same fucking story, but you can't escape it because it's all the same shit. And that's what this Chippendale is actually fun in that it was like, part of it was that but it was also just like having fun with the whole thing and just like messing around um which is just a lonely island thing in general um but it is it's like that same even the rec the story about recursion is recursive in and of itself now it's like how many times can you possibly make the same commentary on what it's like to remake the mo same movie five times in a row you know, this is sort of like what I what I mentioned. It's not meta the, anymore. Like this is just what everybody does. And like in like the thing that I wrote, I sort of talked about how um, like the game design feels like locked in, basically. And a lot of the like the design is now just sort of like meta design, which is like reconfiguring the sort of agreed upon mechanics to try to produce something that feels new, without actually like changing the underlying stuff like the thing that like the thing that really fucking sent me in v rising was like <laughs> i like did the initial tutorial stuff and i was like chopping fucking wood down and then one of the tutorial things was like get your gear level to 12 and i was just like fuck why? this like why like, well not only why but like like the concept of like a gear level was like like before as as conceived is like it was sort of an abstract way to describe a general power level of a character. So you had like armor. And they weren't even and like, like within the game before. It wasn't in the like game. You it had was to just like, like put your gear into like an, a website and then it was like, oh, your gear is around. Like if I was to it like, would like it would be crunch like, oh, the you numbers, could, exactly. it's, I would You're give like, it about like I have a some like Yeah. I have some way of understanding my general power outside of my level, especially when stuff has like, you know, varying stats that do I think my epic breastplate is like puts me at this level where I could actually fight this monster and it, and it mattered. So like not only did it matter more or it, not only was it more abstract back then, but it also mattered more because your gear level like would literally dict. I mean, not your actual level, but like the actual your, your, I don't know your ability to like withstand hits roughly described as maybe your gear level 
would actually be like a hard or soft lock on like doing a boss or something where it's like, I shouldn't spend 20 hours on a Saturday night trying to run molten core. If I'm not strong enough to survive a hit from this person or like a, people would call it like a, um, like an armor check basically where there's a, there's a big initial attack that's meant to basically wipe players out. V rising is like, Oh, you know what? At level two, you need to care about a gear level. And I'm like, fucking no, I don't like if I have to care about a gear level right now, your game is fucking broken because this is stupid. Like I'm not going to sit here and try to like craft shit tier bone armor that I'm going to get rid of in five minutes when I find the next tier of armor and that my gear level has to go from 11 to 12. Like, fuck that. <laughs> so I'm just hero. like, I'm done. It I was like, like, I don't fucking hero. care. As yeah, a it's like some loop game. hero. Bo- I mean, it's like worse than loop hero because I mean, oh fuck loop hero, man. <laughs> Any, anyways, <laughs> I was just but like, that, that's the type of shit that was just like, it's like, I, I also quoted like, um, Keith Bergun who did like Jim wizards tactics and, uh, he's working on something else. now. I forget the name of it. Um, but he like had this piece on like aesthetic gotchaism, which is this concept of kind of taking gotcha mechanics and applying it to a lot of games. And one of those things he talks about is kind of like the commodification of design where like everything just gets a stat. Like there's like, there's nothing in V rising where it can just be a thing. It's like, gotta have a number. So you, yeah. you can't just have gear. It's gotta have a gear number. And then your gear like has to level up and then you have to, it's just like, yeah. So uh, this, this is again, I, I had mean, to post Josh. Years I had to post, ago, man. Kyle used to make, Kyle used to say, people don't care about game design. And I got really upset because I was like, <laughs> people, people do care about game design. But now when Kyle says people don't care about game design, now I'm like, yeah, you're kind of right. <laughs> that, reminds me, that reminds me of like somebody who told me in college, we were having a conversation about something and they were like, nobody cares who makes things. And I was just like, I care who makes things. That's why yeah. I write about stuff. And now as I get older, I just like, I read Twitter, I read the comments and I'm just like, it's really like staring into the void. I'm like, just dude, like, no, no I have to steal myself against this. <laughs> it is legitimately wild, like how many people do not care about who makes things. Like, there's no connection. There's no like concept that a person or that a group of people made like objects. And it's weird because like there are such even like stuff that you consider like or a tour cinema or whatever. It's like people don't know that. Like people are like, oh, have you heard of this movie, Men? Or have you heard of this movie? Yeah. The what's the fucking Cronenberg one? Uh, it's a, it's a Northman, right? The Northman is yeah. probably the one that's got the or most the, like mainstream maybes on it. Well, yeah. I mean, Alex Garland is pretty big as far as like the impact. As far yeah. as like how big the stuff he's done have has. Or like, gotten. do you do you all know who did everything everywhere all at once? The Daniels, yeah. Do you know yeah, who the I Daniels never, were? I, I the, Daniels, the Daniels, yeah, the Daniels who did uh, Swiss Army Man, and they also did and the before video, that the music video for Turn Turn Down for What. Yeah, and before that, they like they, they like the Daniels have been like tearing up Vimeo since Vimeo was fucking around. They did the Big Red Ball oh, short film. Right. They had they did Turn Down for What. Like they've been like producing really interesting like viral hits on Vimeo for fucking ever. I did not know they. Well, Josh, Swiss guess Army what? Man. No one fucking cares who makes shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, saw, well, seen, I saw the Daniels you, thing and I was like, who the fuck is Daniels? Who the fuck is Daniels, bro? This yeah. mononym motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that, that nobody cares, right? And like you watch That's like, you go back and watch like the Big Red Ball short film and you're like, oh yeah, obviously it's just them. Like it's this, it's all the same shit. Yeah. But with regards to design, I, 
it does feel like so many games right now are just that vibe. It's like it's vibe design where it's just yeah. how, what's going to give you like 30 hours to just fucking vibe and just crunch shit and crunch numbers and just chill. And I'm kind of it's weird because like I'm not here to say it's bad. Like this is this is a sign of the fucking crumbling of humanity. But I I do feel when I play these types of games, there's there's something deep inside of me that that knows that mm-hmm. something is wrong here. Like when you eat chicken McNuggets. <laughs> you go, go on, go on. Yeah. And you're eating like, chicken McNuggets. Oh yeah, dude, this owns. And then <laughs> you're, you've got your, your sauce of choice and you dip it and you fucking take a bite and take, take a sip of your Coca-Cola. And then afterwards you're just like, you finish all your nugs and you're just like, what the fuck did I dude, this, this happens do? to me when I'm, when I'm, when I'm living Moss. Same thing. Man. <laughs> when you're getting you that up, Mexican, get, 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 get Mexican five, pizza, dude, you Mexican can't pizza's even buy back. that shit. Dude, they put you. the pizza in the vault, and then now that's they're the cancellation it back. of the future, bro. They're like Mexican pizza's back. The phrase they put the pizza in the vault. <laughs> it was in the vault, dude. <laughs> the would send a Victorian <laughs> child into a seizure. Like, what the fuck are you talking? I think, I mean, about? One thing, like on like the vibe stuff, was um there was. Uh, I also quoted like Kyle Chaka. We should try to get Kyle on the podcast sometime. He'd be interesting to talk to, but he was like, um, he was like the guy that uh, like coined the term airspace, like this sort of Airbnb ish aesthetic that you just, it's just now every coffee shop. Mm, it's like mm-hmm. clay pots, big, you know, plants, big windows, pasta, like whatever. And he wrote this book on minimalism. Anyways, he writes in New Yorker now and he was talking about, um, he had a piece a while ago and he's like, he's been writing about like vibes a lot for the past probably two years. It was talking just about like vibes content and there's something like about, and he's, he's brought this up too, but like the sort of like concept that we only kind of get a culture that's really geared towards like vibes content when like, I think when the vibes are generally bad, like you fucking scroll through Twitter and it's like, Oh, democracy is collapsing and there's no future because of the climate shit. And you're like, no one sits down and is like, Oh, after like ingesting that, I'm really down to just fucking run my nose into the ground by playing some really thinky like game. Like that's just not a thing. So I think that they sort of attitudes in general, because like I also had this point that you're talking about when I was playing V Rising, Josh, where I was like, this game is fucking stupid. Is this the fucking stupid game I want to spend my time on right now? Because I can, it could be. I was like, I could totally spend all my like spare hours just doing just like fucking around in V rising. And I was like, eh, maybe I'll try like the elder scrolls online or something. But I think well, that there's sort of like a general attitude of like, I don't know, society that actually <laughs> rises stuff like V rising to say like, this is about as much as we can handle right now. Like too much shit is going on. Like V rising is what we can do. <laughs> that's that's yeah. what I can reckon with. And it's- after like working at my dead end job or, you know, Losing health insurance. I mean, I'm not, I feel that gun rights like pass. very frequently where, it, where I just want that. I've said multiple times on this show. I just wanted a brain off game. The brain off. Yeah. And, I was thinking of you. And it's like, um, it's funny too, because Elden Ring was like the game where it was like, it's, it's so not vibes. <laughs> Dude, that game is not. It's the Zero most vibes. not a vibe. The loathsome dung eater is not <laughs> yeah. a vibe. Uh, tarnished. 
I was just <laughs> after tarnished. that game, I was like, I need to play a fucking JRPG. I need to play something vibey right now because <laughs> I cannot do this. I can't do this heavy shit right now. I mean, granted, I loved. I mean, obviously, loved Elden Ring, but um, it's it's also I think it we do this false conflation where we call it escapism, and I think we used to call it. Es- I think it used to be appropriate to call this escapism, but now I feel like it's less ambitious than escapism even where Mm -hmm. it's, we're not even looking for a chance to escape. We want to escape into the, it's like this, fetal position you want to go backwards we want to go into the you want to go into the cocoon it's like we don't want to escape we want to go to the safe familiar place which is Call dark of Duty fantasy too dark fantasy that's like looks sort of cartoonish and you click on rocks and build stuff and click on monsters and just there's not really any repercussions when you die you raise your numbers there will they will always go up if you keep clicking and you will always be rewarded and like you're not really escaping you're escaping from the the anti vibe but you are going into something like very familiar the vibe we need a vibe check we need a vibe check yeah <laughs> the world of vibes dude world of vibes there was this like Speaking of Elden Ring, there was this great, um, the New Yorker also recently profiled a, like a LARP designer. Oh no, they were talking about, um, the, like the Star Wars Starliner Hotel. Do you all know about this? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for people who don't know down in fucking Florida, they basically built a, like, it's effectively a giant Star Wars LARP, like more so than the park, but it's a, you pay like $3,000 and you get a ticket to like go on a starship um, LARP effectively for like two, two, I think it's like two and a half days. It's like, I think it's like two nights and two days or something, or I guess it's three days and two nights. Anyways. So you pay and you basically go into a What's starship. I think it's called the Disney like Starliner or something. Galactic Star um, Cruiser. That sounds like that would might, might be what it is. Um, and you go and it's basically like, if you imagine, you know, the like the most intense Disney character thing that you've ever experienced at Disney world. If you've ever gone times like a thousand, like you're just living in a star Wars world for three days. Right. So the New Yorker profiled kind of this experience. And then also was talking to one of the kind of designers of the experience. And um, what they were sort of talking about was like, like, I guess like LARP culture has a really strong root in like Scandinavia, I think specifically Sweden. And what the person said in the article was that like a lot of Scandinavian LARP would often be like very emotionally distressing. Like it'd be this thing that would make you cry and feel sad and maybe even feel punished a little bit. And the person was like, listen, it was okay because in Scandinavia, they're like, we had too much food and like too many jobs and like everyone was doing fine. Like they're basically, they were like, our society was doing so well that we had to have this outlet to like experience actual like trauma effectively. And that was like, that produced like a productive emotional cycle. And I sort of think about that like a little bit with Elden Ring where it's like, for some people, like, like, I don't know, like white people, our life is generally like going okay. But something about the sort of like flagellation of Elden Ring is almost like doing a really like mean LARP. Cause you're like, finally I get to feel some like oppression, like fucking, <laughs> like I just, I just sail through life every day and everyone just gives me raises and I just get all the whatever. And finally in Elden Ring, someone can tell me that I'm a piece of shit or like a tarnished or something. Maidenless. 
I'm maidenless. You yeah. are maidenless. I can't be maidenless <laughs> in Elden Ring. This hotel looks weird as hell, by the way. I'm I'm kind of the vibe is off. The this vibe is, is vibe. way off. This is not a vibe at all. It's blue lady speaking. Oh, that looked cool. But I wouldn't want to live there. What about for three days? Not three thousand dollars. <laughs> Certainly not for three days. Three. I think there was like a constructed like like neighborhood in in Florida themed around <laughs> Disney. I think it was called Paradise Disney. Oh or something yeah, that's like that. also a thing. That's a real Disney. thing. That's and a real thing. Had its own like like tax code or something like that. I was like, what's going on here? Yeah, Disney is trying to like build basically like a. Something that's like somewhere between like a retirement place and like a Disney park. Yeah. I, Which you know maybe the crazy thing about that, right, is that like everybody wants that. Everybody, everybody wants the outcome of that, which is that everyone wants to feel like being part of a community that supports them and helps them be the best people they want to be. But you got to go for a corporation. You got to go for a corporation to do that. Apparently, Yeah. That, that's like the shitty part, right? Is that like the vision is salient because it's like people are fucking disaffected and like, all people have time for is like vibes content. Like you're checking in after your shift job and you want to like play some bullshit iPhone game for 15 minutes and not have to worry about you. Know, and just like Josh said, just be brain off. Fucking, um, I don't know, man. I, not to get to anime too early, but um, <laughs> we can come back to games, but this Wait, kind I don't of know. Wait, I don't, I don't know. Tuus, what are you playing? What, are you what playing? am I playing? What am I playing right now? We got, uh, we, got, just, we, got to, we got to get that out of the way. Just a, uh, yeah, it's like heart bullshit space, heart, anime games. Heart space <laughs> shipbreaker right now. It's like I'm just like nice. reaching my way through that. So yeah, yeah, that's what I'm. I, I, there's not really anything concrete on the horizon that I'm really looking forward to. I have been uh, keeping track of this one game by a, a solo developer um, who, like, their entire like professional name is like Enigma Studio, and the game is called Echo Stasis. The uh, the uh, demo for that came out last year and it has been like my most anticipated game of this year. I'm looking forward Ooh. to when they finally release that. Yeah. Echo That sounds tight. Yeah. Do you feel out. like I'm interested, we can, we can move on, but I'm sort of interested in your opinions and thoughts on games after like, cause you were sort of, you were with kill screen when we were with kill screen and mm-hmm. Josh and I have both obviously like defected from, games journalism but you're still like in it um, I, am degree, ad- obviously. I am ad- i am adjacent to it like i'm more uh clued into like service journalism uh centered around like streaming services and like whatever sort of like weird things like sort of like pop up my radar that i want to put on the site like i am adjacent to like what's going on in games right now but i'm just not as is hooked into it. Like I'm more of like my sort of interaction with, with games right now at this point, is just like the few uh, game developers that I follow on Twitter and I track mm-hmm. their status. And if they like retweet something that's cool, then I sort of like follow up on that. But like as far, far as like broader trends, I don't want none to do with that. I, I just, I, I just want to play like my little games that I think are really cool. Like the little niche things that like satisfy me. That's a good one way of the, one to of the, like, exist, I think, Yeah, in the space. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about the piece that I wrote was I was quoting one of my favorite articles I ever read, which was the guy who did Steam Spy wrote this article called um, Your Target Audience Doesn't Exist. And it's basically like, it's got a lot of really great pull quotes in it. But one of the things he talks about is if you actually look at 
like demographics of steam or like specifically like buying habits of people on steam. It's like something like less than 1% of people on steam actually buy multiple games. And that number roughly equates to like 1.8 million people or something. So even though steam is like 250 million users, when you're releasing a game, you're effectively only your, your audience is effectively like 1.8 million people. Maybe like it's not, um, cause most of those people on steam are like playing counter-strike. They're playing rust playing team fortress or they're playing like dota effectively mm-hmm. people don't actually like buy games and so i'm i'm interested like from your perspective as as you sort of get older i think that maybe like 20 years ago we could say that like oh Tooth is getting older he didn't like playing games anymore but also like i don't know like i still think josh when we talked to your cousin like when they were in high school about like what stuff they play and like i look at what's popular now like Fortnite and roblox it's like I don't really get the sense that like based on like that post and then just general, I don't know, habits of what's popular that people are just playing a lot of stuff generally. Like most people, most of the time are just playing like one or two games, maybe a year. I don't know if you, I don't know if you like feel that or like, I mean, you're obviously close to people at Polygon as people get older and sort of, I don't know, like do people still play games? (laughs) Do people care? I think people still play games, but as for me, it's like, I feel like I have, been a I've been a gamer for so much of my life that I know now like what are the things that I am attracted to what are the concepts what are the sort yeah. of genres that I know that I I really like clue into and it's like and if I just don't find any games that are sort of like tapping into that then I'll always go back to the well of like my um my steam library i'll just like pop something on it's like that I just bought on a random whim because it was on a steam sale and just see if I like it but uh, as far as like new stuff, like immediately coming to mind, I'm just like, no, nah, not really. I mean, I'm looking forward to, uh, let's see, I'm going to open up my, my wish list right now. My <laughs> wish list that I've, I've been organizing this stuff. Like, let's see, like uh, Echo Stasis is towards the, the top of there. Memory of a Broken Dimension. I don't think that's ever going to come out, but I still, every day I, I every leave day, a candle. Every day, just like I, maybe today I, is the day. Every, every night I leave a candle by my, my windowsill and be like, I hope that <laughs> Memory of a Broken Dimension comes home. Um, Radio the Universe, that's like a game that was, yeah. um, that was funded in the Kickstarter heyday before Hyperlight Drifter. That's apparently still in development, so I'm looking forward to that. And like routine, that got like showed at the. Um, that got a trailer like today. They got, they got a trailer today. It's been in development for like over a decade. I thought I, it was done. Yeah. I was the only person in the work slack that was like, "Yo, routine." I'm just like, it's been in development for a decade. They don't remember that. And there's like Bomberus Cyberfunk, which is basically like uh, Jet Set Radio, but for now, um, yeah, those are the things that I'm sort of like into right now. I feel like so you're on like the, like the long shot. You're oh, like, I'm on the long shot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah I'm, I'm, like, I'm looking like on like the, the Apple arcade launch V one core games that were like indie games that were looked really cool. Like seven years ago that have just yeah. disappeared from the public eye. But yeah. I almost think I this has become it. kind of like the normal way of experiencing video games. And I mean, I can't speak for every gamer out there, but I, I do get the sense that most people have their, and even this is just lo- lo- like looking vicariously through my little brother who was on this show a while, a long time back. It feels like a lot of people have their like one or two platform games that they're really into at any given point. 
whether it's like Final Fantasy 14 or Valorant or whatever that one big, big game, Modern Warfare or, you know, Warzone or yeah. whatever. And they have that like one big thing where they're kind of like social and they play that game a few times a week or maybe every night. And then they have like the peripheral things that they're looking at or want to get into that are like along their style and what they like and what they're getting into and what, what's the flavor of the week type game. And that's how I think the average game diet operates nowadays, which I mean, the wheels of this were set in motion a long time ago, as we've talked about like games as platforms and whatnot, but that reality has kind of come to fruition now where a lot of people have their one platform game that they go to and with some little side pieces that they they come back to uh time and try out new stuff uh and that's that's how i've noticed i've been playing games um but it, it seems like a model that is in play right now but i did i played a couple other games i played tales of arise and i played yakuza like a dragon because they were both uh jrpgs that i had been interested in it and uh yeah, they're they're pretty cool. If you like JRPGs, check uh check both of those out. Yakuza Like a Dragon is the one that is Yakuza as a JRPG instead of as a beat 'em up. I didn't mean um, to check out the Yakuza. That sounds cool. Franchise. I didn't realize that was like the pitch. Yeah, it's it's all your characters are JRPG characters, but it cheekily puts the systems within the Yakuza kind of like universe. So you have summons which is just stupid as fuck <laughs> in a game that actually takes place in a very realistically rendered Tokyo uh, and or Yokohama. But you summon like fucking lobsters and crawfish and like BDSM baby men and <laughs> like weird boxers. Incredible. It yeah. is pretty. It's honestly pretty incredible. Like the main character, like one of his things is that he he's talking about he, how he likes RPGs and he see, he envisions his life as a an RPG where like you got to get better and it's part of his whole like shonen attitude uh, that makes him such like a likable character. But it factors into the game and it makes it more interesting and more fun. I really dig it. Um, David says Yakuza like a dragon is uh, sick. I played fifteen I hours watched. and we'll probably never finish it because it, who has the time though? Yeah, it's uh. It's a pretty long game, uh, as people may or may not know. Yakuza games can be pretty long. Um, it's it it's very soap opera like in that the stuff that happens is like just gets constantly bigger and bigger, and the stakes get higher and higher. So I think that's what kind of kept me in. I pr I probably had about forty or fifty hours in that thing, so I, I get played a good Did you amount. Finish it? No, I'm at the very end though, so I probably will come back mm. and finish that like I did with like Final Fantasy 12. And then I'm the same thing with Tales of Arise. I got to like the very end and I kind of just stopped one day and haven't gone back, but I plan to just to knock out like the rest play, of the game. Have you ever played a Tales game before? I played Tales of Asperia uh, infamously when that came out because that was when I was uh, in college and all my friends had gone back to school, back to college already, but my school started late. So I just like <laughs> spent like three weeks playing Tales. Like It was like just multiple days only playing Tales of Asperia from when I woke up to when I went to sleep. And afterwards, I was just that was like the first time I ever experienced like, fuck, dude, maybe you can play too much video games. You know, <laughs> It felt really bad. I, I'm pretty sure I was depressed. 
Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. I mean, some people can do it, though. Some people can do that shit. You see some people play, like, the amount of video games they play. I'm like, fuck, dude. I feel like I play a lot of video games, but some people play, like, a lot of video. Like, that's the thing about like, most streamers dude, and shit who are, like, really big gamers and stuff. They play games on stream for, like, six hours, and then they play games off stream. I'm like, how do you do this? I, like, can't think of a game that's, like, worth that much time. Like... People who play like Hearthstone and like just hours and hours and hours a day. I'm like, oh, this is how you get to like the top ranks in Magic the Gathering or whatever game. And it's like, I don't want to. I'm okay with not having that. I like, you know? dude, I'm like at the point now where I like feel like I'm playing a lot of games. I'm like, man, I'm playing a lot. Of, like, how much is this game? I'm, it's been a long time. I look at the clock. It's been like one hour. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck, man. I can't, can't do it like I used to. He can't like, it's like, like, it's, like it's like a fucking timer in my head. I'm like. After an hour, I'm like, I think I got what I wanted out of this. Like, I'm not like, I don't know. I don't find like a lot of intrinsic motivation from like a lot of games anymore. So I'm like, I, I've been getting that sense too, where it's like, I know this happened to me with movies. What was the, was it the new, like Alfonso Cuaron movie? Yeah. Roma. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Roma. I was, I was like, damn dude, this is going to be heavy and I don't want to watch it but i really want to watch it but the vibe i was like i felt like i needed the to be in rough. the perfect headspace to really like do it and i never i still haven't never seen there, roma dude. dude and i like guaron i like that it's like it's so sad someone asks sorry like a dragon equals reference to dragon quest right oh i guess what? so it makes sense because they talk about you know dragon quest and whatnot one played 774 games of League of Legends in 34 days in Korea this past fucking hell man yeah that's what I'm saying I people talk about oh streamers jobs are easy but it's like you have to be one of those people who's just who plays games that fucking much or is just like the thing that just gets me is that like there's like so few games that are like warrant that amount of like it's like magic and like (laughs) maybe Elden Ring but well, even for these then, like, people it's like League of Legends I mean I, I did oh play thousands of hours of League of Legends so I'm, I'm I shouldn't really be one to talk but yeah yeah I mean it's also different when you have the social aspect of like you're playing with friends and whatnot which is like probably why I put so much time into Valorant and whatnot but let's talk about Naruto yeah. let's talk about Naruto <laughs> let's talk about Naruto <laughs> I saw that Naruto. you actually completed Naruto and I, I wanted to congratulate finished. you because I you have not it? yet I have not yet made that journey myself and i want to congratulate you on actually doing that because it feels like too much like homework to me thank you like, like yeah. a tweet it was like a tweet you posted like four months ago where it was like the <laughs> opening shot of naruto on twitter and you're like would you say like journey the, of a like thousand a, miles begins with a single step yeah <laughs> it's like and episode yeah, one baby no what's wild is that i like basically marathoned it too like i was watching five to ten episodes you naruto run like I, like I naruto and yeah i yeah i yeah. <laughs> um and that show gets pretty recursive. That show gets pretty recursive toward the end. I don't know how much y'all know about Naruto, but um, I know about the headband, I know about the run, and I imagine it's like a shonen ninja thing. It's a great I know show. that and people, before people they history. before they did Shippuden, they had like sixty or so episodes of filler because they were waiting for the 
Oh, I skipped uh, all the, those. The mon- I you skipped, skipped all those? those? Okay. Yes. Okay. I skipped all the filler, which, by the way, there's like three, there's literally about 300 episodes of filler in this show. Yeah. Yeah. And when I say filler, I'm not saying, I'm not like, I was like, what? People would be like, oh, this is filler. And I'd be like, what are you talking about, man? There's character development here. This is like, you know, <laughs> the, the main plot's not advancing. But the thing is, the filler in this show gets to the point where it's literally just like it's a different show. It's and it's not really developing the characters. It goes out of its way to not develop characters because that would count as like tarnishing the main story. Because if they reveal details about a character or reveal motives that a character has that are outside of what the main manga line does, then there's some perversion of the main story and the what the char- the sacredness of what the characters are. Which and Naruto gets extremely precious about these characters to the point where by like the end of the show, they're just the character is just like a caricature of what they used to be. Where it's like they're just trying to sustain the popular image of what this character is instead of like turning them into real human beings which the show kind of excelled at in its early days and that's what makes me kind of sad about the later days of naruto and i think a lot of people have this sense of the show too which is that it just becomes a show about the characters of naruto back in the day like as you remember them and who they used to be and it's also weird because like toward the end the last like 300 episodes are like one single event they're covering one single event and it's not the last 500. Did I say the last 500? I mean, like the last, yeah. the last 500, ep- the last like 100 episodes are covering like a single event. And since they're dilating so much time over like five separate seasons, they start like acting as if the characters grew up, even though the, like only a couple months have passed. But we've experienced that over the course of five years. But me, I'm watching it over the course of like three weeks. So I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? They're acting like the characters have turned into completely different characters. And I've just, I, it's only been a few episodes, you know? It's, it's a strange thing to watch this show now. But any, that all this is to say I'm now watching One Piece. <laughs> <laughs> right on time, right on time. Yeah. Can I ask why, like... I've seen no Naruto, but I like know the headband and I know like Naruto is a thing. Why is it so big? What's like, what about this show makes it be this like cultural thing that shows up in hot topic? I'm curious as to, I'm curious to, what what do you think about this? What I think, I mean, I have never like completed Naruto. I read Naruto like in Shonen Jump when I was like middle school. And I remember when it was like the part of the wave, it was like part of like, I think the big three animes, like what they used to talk about about the, the turn of the 2000s. I think it was Naruto, it was Bleach, and it was One Piece. Like those were the big titles. And I think that it's just, Naruto is a, rela- a relatable character. It's like, he's just sort of like a, a, a rags to riches, not a rags to riches, but a rags to at least respect shonen protagonist who just protect who progressively gets like stronger and that the ensemble of the other characters that he's uh interacting with they're just fun to follow and also like the powers are really cool too like the battles and the actual animations are cool too and it was such an interesting setting um 
Yeah, it felt like a a, a torchbearer after uh, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z for that time. Yeah, it's creatively it's really neat in in the sense that the the setting is this like ninja world in which like you know ninjas kind of exist there's there's a political hierarchy of the world where there's like warlords or there's like samurai that kind of exist in one section of the world but anyway i uh there's just a lot of really neat creative design in how the world is laid out this like contrast between um the old and the new in a way that's like kind of very Japanese, like the old Japan versus the new Japan. And they're kind of like mashed together in this like ninja world is it's, it's really neat for me. What caught me about the series. And I think I want to say that this is one of the things that stands out about it is that Naruto as a character is the delinquent child who is de delinqu a delinquent because he's acting out due to some like trauma that he experienced in his life. And it's really touching. I mean, all this happens in the first episode. I think if you watch the first episode of the show, you will get this about it. And and it, a lot of this kind of carries the show for most of its run um, is that his first teacher, Iruka-sensei, uh, kind of takes him under his wing. Iruka-sensei Iruka doesn't really like him because he's such just like an Naruto is just an asshole kid who's just misbehaving, vandalizing shit all the time. And then he like he overhears this thing and he finds out more stuff about Naruto and realizes that he's gone through these really like traumatic experiences as a child and that's why he's doing this. And he like goes to protect Naruto and he he kind of saves Naruto from this uh, dangerous encounter situation. that they have, yeah. this dangerous situ situation. And like Naruto hears his teacher kind of standing up for him and like he's he's kind of saying to this villain like you know, Naruto does what he does because he's had such a hard life and like you don't know anything about him and everybody hates him because he's he's like not well behaved, but like anybody would be if they were in this situation and like Naruto overhears it and he starts like just sobbing and it's like a really touching moment and that whole vibe follows the rest of the show and it that's like the beating heart of the show that makes you want to keep watching and it just comes to a head in these big fights in such a satisfying way where you always feel like naruto has something to prove you always feel like everyone is suspicious of him it's really one of the best at framing this like misunderstood young man who has something to prove in the world and to like show that he is he has value that's a good way of putting it um, yeah i mean he's he's burdened with like I remember enough from like the initial premise, like he's burdened with something that happened before he was born and everybody just sort of ostracizes him for that. And mm -hmm. now his, his, uh, his, his classmates ostracize him for that. They don't even truly understand the real story about what happened. Yeah. And so he's surrounded by this environment of toxicity of just suspicion of contempt that he acts out in reaction to that because well, it, it's, it speaks to like, well, everybody told me I was never going to be more than shit when I was growing up. So why not just be a little shit? Yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. And, and his teachers show him that there is another way and that he can be more than that. What other people expect of him. And that's why I think like, yeah, that's, that's, that's why that's, that story resonates with people. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's neat too, because like, it's about that, but it's also about the need for there to be like mentors for these kind of misguided young people and there, there's just all these themes around it that i i just i really dig and that i'm i mean i enjoyed watching 
and also just like the fights are really cool and they have they yeah. it's filled with shonen ecstasy moments like <laughs> the the trademark shonen ecstasy that i've come to know and love naruto has some of the best moments of that but yeah it got, does get the ending it gets fucking weird toward the end where it's it becomes about like remember when i used to be such a misled young youth and all this stuff and like you've grown so much naruto it's like okay dude we we've we know that that's why we Six like episodes. the show we've been on talking, this journey you know? yeah, yeah 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 but th that's the whole thing is that like at that point it's been 12 you know 10 years since this thing came out so they have to kind of like remind the audience that's grown up with the show like why they loved it in the first place and that's yeah a lot of it ian says his growth is better paced realistic feeling earned at the start at least haven't watched the rest to comparable shows imo yeah absolutely um it, it's just really satisfying to see him kind of make progress in this world that really doesn't like him uh and one piece is actually it's pretty different have you seen one piece I have not seen One Piece. This is my. This is where I admit to something. This is where I admit to something. Like during the time when these what? came out, during the time when these came out, like I read manga and I was into movies and I was into sci-fi and art and other things like that. But around this time when those animes were just coming out, I was a lapsed anime fan, and so it's always been my. <laughs> it's always been my uh, my goal to eventually circle back. And like, really like dive into these, but I am conversant enough in them that I'm able to talk about like the general premises. Yeah, I mean, this is where this is where I am really. Like, this is why I am doing this to a large extent because like I like yeah. shonen, and you know when you run out of some stuff to watch, I'm, I'm now I'm just like, all right, let's just start watching One Piece. Um, <laughs> but is the idea of me as a lapsed anime fan is like hilarious? No, I mean. It happens to us all every once in yeah. a while, I think. I think it's natural. <laughs> yeah. I, I think especially because at that time that like One Piece and Naruto were kind of starting, it was still fucking hard to get a hold of anime. Yes, like, it was. Yeah. You can, you know, sometimes an anime, if an anime is not on Crunchyroll or it's not on like Netflix or whatever, it's still pretty hard. But even back then it was way harder because like, even pirating shit was tough. Like, well, there's like Nya was like around, and Nya got shut down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, and simulcasting, like, simulcasting didn't even really become a thing until like 2008. Attack on Titan was like the big. That was like the big thing for what got me back into anime is because like, oh, there's simulcasting and Crunchyroll is a thing, and I can stream this stuff. And now anime is like so huge. It is mm -hmm. wild. I have like aunts and uncles talking to me about anime. And it it's just it's a wild experience. But I mean One Piece is quite a bit different from Naruto. I really dig it so far. It's just it's just so much different than Naruto. But thematically i would say that the main character luffy is like so much different from naruto he's ignorant he has that like ignorant innocence to him that naruto has but his character hinges a lot more than that i will i think that the ensemble around him is just way better and more interesting and there's just all kinds of stuff going on there's some just really surprising themes the gender politics so far like for being as old as it is are actually like there's some interesting stuff being said in there. Naruto is gender politics are pretty fucking bad, but they're a little <laughs> bit better in one piece. Um, the one clip you were showing on the video was like a 
pink haired girl like yelling at Naruto. Oh, it's like, oh, I Sakura. feel like I know where that yeah. character goes. She's whoever made Sakura hates women. Women. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's just such. They just basically like at least the be- she gets better. She does get better, but at the beginning they're just like, let's have someone that you were just annoyed by all the time, and uh, let's just make her have all these like weird features that are just annoying. Anyway, um, there's. Are you watching Spy Family? What like? Let's talk about some some more. Yeah, some more anime. Anime is good right now, man. It's fucking it good. It feels like every season there's something that I am just loving the absolute crap out of where I, I just feel down to wreck it to like normal people, you know, which is never a thing that used to happen with me with anime. Last season, it was ranking of Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm which, opening up a list, which did not really stick the landing by the way. Oh my yeah. God. Can we, I actually watched ranking of Kings. The ending fucking sucked. Well, I want to hear, I want to hear the other wrecks. Give us, give the listeners who don't know anime. Give me like five, like five yeah. from this year. Yeah, we got Ranking of Kings. Spy Family. Spy Family, uh, 100%. You got to watch Demons, Spy Family. Demon Slayer Entertainment Demon District Slayer. arc. Oh, God. So good. Is that yeah. different than the movie? Is that the movie? Well, here's the thing. Uh, the movie released before the second season, and then you realize why they released it before the second season, because like the first eight episodes of the second season are basically a re-edited version of Mugen Train, but with one extra episode that happens like before the events of it. And then they get into the story proper, which is like 11 episodes. So that's how they were able to cheat around that. But it's still good. It's still good. Oh, so there's this, I didn't realize the second season was out. Yeah. It's all out. Yeah. It's only 11 um, episodes. (laughs) I mean, if you watch Mugen Train, then yeah, just like, just. It's basically another movie. Yeah. It's like basically another movie in an episodic format. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. We got Ranking of Kings, Spy Family, Demon Slayer. Um, I'm going to put down uh, The Orbital Children. I like The Orbital Children a lot. That is like. Mitsuo Iso's like spiritual successor to Deno Coil. And if you haven't watched Deno Coil, that's on Netflix and it's really good. And you should watch that. Um, like for a while it was just out of print. Nobody could watch it, but like, yeah, it's good. I read yeah. your, so I read your piece about like the anime, like the great anime of this year so far. And that mm-hmm. I, that's where I found out about the orbital children. I immediately watched it and it's it owns it's so good yeah it is really good it's really good i don't know if i talked about it on bad end but it it does feel like sci-fi and i i said this on the discord which is that sci-fi feels so burned out in a lot of ways right now like so much of the creativity and imagining the future feels like it's just again settled into this okay this is what doors look like in the future. Like they slide open and they're all, everything's fucking white. And it's like this minimalistic clean look, maybe with some metal and steel with a CD dark underbelly. Blah. The, it's Alex the, Garland effect. Yeah. the Alex Garland yeah. effect. The Alex yeah. Garland effect. of the future. But <laughs> this movie is so creative with how it imagines technology and how people interact with technology and what it's like to actually be a human being in the future and how we Orbital will children or will not relate yeah. to one another. And, how and also dental coil as well too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really good and imaginative and just like the amount of ideas that are in that movie. I feel like this is, this must've been part of the 
fun and I guess the the interesting thing about watching 2001 A Space Odyssey back in the day, in addition to it just being a gorgeous movie, extremely well-directed, was you're just seeing stuff where you're like, oh my God, what if a spaceship could look like that? And there's still that kind of sense of wonder in watching it now because the way that it's imagined and how realistically it's rendered and just how well the vision is brought to life is still incredible. But this movie has some of that effect where I'm like, they've really imagined and extrapolated how like our technology will actually map onto the future. And a lot of it feels, some of it feels plausible, but it's, it's not necessarily going for that either. It's not trying to be like, this is what the future is going to be. Like it, what's the future could be if it went along like this particular track and like focused on like, like the way I, I feel like I can't talk about orbital children without talking about dental coil. Uh, because Dental Coil, for when it came out, it was about AR technology. It was oh, about okay. visor technology and about like what if like that technology really took off and a bunch of kids just got up to some nonsense one summer and they started like investigating mysteries that are at the the sort of precipice between the supernatural and the technological. And oh, oh shit. I orbital that. <laughs> and and it's really good. Yeah, it's yeah. very well animated. It's, it's it's a slow burn, but it's very very good. Um, the orbital children because it's a limited series. It like it moves pretty fast in its initial hours, and it throws a lot of stuff at you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like a a spiritual successor in the way that it um, moves away necessarily from visor tech. And more to like touch screen, like hand based technology. It's like really, really cool. Yeah. When we talk about like what if or like what would happen if, like what does the future look like? The questions they're not they're not trying to come up with like any singular answer. It's more of building the world in which this this happens and the insights and clarity and just I think the beauty of it all sprouts from the images and the interactions that you see within that. It's it's a really like. Orbital Children owns. Uh, yeah. Devin asks, bro, is that Tucson? Yeah, it is. That's Tucson. It's me. It's um, me. Hello. Hello. Um, yeah. But what else? Oh, other anime, My Dress Up Darling. Have you did, you, did you see that? I've watched a couple of episodes of My Dress Up Darling, and I do enjoy it, but I want to get more into it. I, I feel... It's it's one of the ones that I hate. Josh, that's to, an anime name that you're gonna have to qualify a little I, bit. Yeah, you're gonna have to unpack that a bit. I know that makes me I feel, feel a little weird recommending but, that one too, because it is a yeah. little uh, it's a little yeah. sketchy, but at the same time, parts of like some things about it are extremely like this is where anime needs to be going. And then other things are like This is where anime came what from. What am I doing? Like <laughs> I, this feels sketch, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um a, it's very funny. The writing on that show is hilarious. Like, I there are parts of that show where I'm just actually legitimately cracking up, which does not happen to me with television comedies. I, I, I rarely have those laugh out loud moments. And just the situational comedy in this show is just so it's it's hilarious. But it's about uh, this kid who is in high school and. He's kind of a loser because he grew up in his grandpa's, it's a Hina doll shop. So his grandfather makes these like traditional Japanese dolls and the main character loves those dolls. And that's like his main hobby. It's his passion. It's what he wants to do. He wants to like carry on the family uh, business growing up. 
And so he spends all of his time making dolls. And because of this, he's kind of like a, not an outcast at school. He's just kind of introverted. He doesn't really talk to other kids, but he's not shunned or anything like that, which is one of the cool things about this show. People aren't like when people are jerks, they're not like being unreasonable bullies like happens in basically every other show in pop culture. I want to say they're just like assholes in the way that they are more in real life where they're like, Oh, some kids were supposed to, put away the chairs after class and but they were asked like oh do you think you do that like i'm in a big rush right now but they wouldn't ask someone that they like really really respected to do that it mm-hmm. where it's like that or he just kind of gets walked all over because he's kind of submissive he just kind of down down with whatever he doesn't really have that respect but people aren't like outwardly like oh you're such a loser man not, it's not that, that type of thing and then the main uh the main girl Madine, is a huge otaku she loves anime she loves specifically she's really into like this eroge game which is like an erotic video game with a bunch of like sex and stuff in it which okay at this point is actually a realistic scenario like this is a thing that (laughs) i am sure that there are high schools who do that who are live these maybe not these exact lives but have similar things and but she is also she's like a hot popular girl but at the same time she doesn't feel like she fits in with everybody because her hobbies are pretty niche and not all the girls are into that stuff but she's like has friends and is popular for that reason she just a lot of people just don't understand the shit that she likes so one day after class they kind of meet up and the the main guy realizes that Marine is really into cosplay and she's trying to make this cosplay, but it's she's really bad at it. So she finds out that he makes dolls and can do like tailoring and create costumes and stuff like that. So they end up linking up over these adjacent hobbies that are like sort of connected to one another, but that they don't really understand. One likes doing these dolls. The other likes doing anime cosplay so they do not I mean, really like, understand each other's approaches but they can both help one another and they both understand each other because they have passion for such specific niche things and that's what the whole yeah, show many, is about how many almost boob shots are we getting per episode uh too many to count too many to count, <laughs> too many to count. The, the number does not exist yeah it's a, but it's no upper bound it's um <laughs> It's weird because it's not, it's conscious of its sexiness, I guess. Yeah. Where the girl will talk about, she'll, she, she has this like costume that she's wearing that like where there, it shows like a good amount of cleavage, obviously, but that, that like, that's a character that she's doing. She's like, she's a total ice queen and she's blah, blah, blah. And she talks about, she calls them boob bags. Like she calls the things her boob bags. She's like, oh, these boob bags are great. Like they make... But it's like that's the whole thing is that like they're talking about cosplaying a character who is sexy and she's trying to be sexy and they refer to it I in a kind of like, cheeky way. That's like better than the like um like I feel like I would describe a lot of like anime sexuality as like oh, like I, it acts like oh, it like doesn't exist. Yeah, like, 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 like it's like it's totally like the fucking like yeah, the little oblivious. like the what's like the creature like the little shit bag in My Hero Academia. Like oh, great boy? Yeah, everybody great hates great boy. boy. Yeah, hates but like, like, great boy is like indicative of like what I would describe in most anime sexuality, where it's like 
someone calls someone a pervert. He's like kind of perverted. And so the idea of like this woman's just like, I'm sexy and dressing up feels like it does sound like it's moving the needle a little bit to be like, I can be a sexy person. And like the show's like, she's sexy, but it's not like this guy is like ashamed and like has to like act out like sexually or somehow such that it's like weird. It sounds like they're like have a friendship and maybe they like kiss in an episode or something, but yeah, it sounds like it is actually like it, not there's like, it's, it's not the cringe shit, right? It's, it's like, I can like watch boobs on in movies and that's like, fine but it's watching something where i'm like supposed to feel bad that someone has like a body like that's the shit that gets is like it's weird man. yeah there's there's weird yeah. moments but i would say that it it comes from like the situationalness of it as opposed to and just like what, what the fuck am i watching right now as opposed <laughs> to like it doesn't feel I don't want to say it doesn't feel gazy because it's definitely like gazy, but it's like, it's, it's always like cognizant of what's happening. It's never like bullshitting you about what you're being shown. You know, it's not trying to like make you feel shitty for liking what you're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, you're such a perv. It's just, yeah. I mean, the main guy usually in the situations, he's like, he's like, dude, stop. Like if he's like, there's a sequence where he's giving, he's fitting her for the stuff and he's like met taking her measurements it's a really funny scene because he's so explicit about like the awkwardness of it in every like part of it. And when he's like, he's like, Oh my God, you just fucking don't touch her dude. And then he's like, why am I getting so distraught? I, I, he's like, I just need to, he's thinking all these things in his head where he's just like, you just need to stop fucking caring. Stop being such a fucking little kid and caring that like you're taking a girl's <laughs> measurements and just like be chill. You know, like it's that kind of thing. That's like to the point where it's like, it's somewhat relatable. Like if you were in that situation, you would have similar feelings, but it also, the other thing that I think is interesting about the show is that it also does give the point of view of Madi and the girl. Um, she, she has like a lot of her own internal dialogue and like, Oh my God, am I really feeling this way about this guy? Like, Oh, he's actually hot and blah, blah, blah. There is back and forth. It feels like a show that also teen relationships are fucking messy. Like, I don't know if yeah. you all were teens at one point, but like, it's not easy. Like it feels like something. <laughs> no, I skipped all that. <laughs> you skipped it. Yeah. I skipped all that. It feels like something that uh, like a high schooler could have like made or, or relate to. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, that's a good one. Odd taxi is cool, but that's like last year, right? Yeah. That's like last year. Yeah. What else have you, what, what are the other good ones from this year so far? <sighs> Kaguya Sama love is war season three. That's really good. I mean, Kaguya Sama just in general, like every season has been great, but this one has also been really good too. Um, I haven't seen that. I talked about so I could talk about some of the bad anime I've watched this year that I didn't like. Um, Can we talk about the end of ranking of Kings because what the sure. fuck? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That one, Josh, I think like that was, I don't know when it, it wasn't like, it was like a few episodes, I think probably before the hiatus, but you recommended ranking of Kings. And then I watched all, basically all of it. And it was like, there was no ranking. No one got ranked. Spoilers. There was a, there was a ranking. Maybe like in the, the very start. There was a Right, rank. right, right. It kept like, the thing, I mean, the like, show starts in such a way where every episode makes you feel like anything can happen. And the imagination that's there is just out of control. And the tone is all over the place and the storytelling is all over the place. And when it hits you hard emotionally, it just, it does it 
goes for it and it hits you, but it, it just slowly slips into just being a conventional story to the point where by the very end, it's like, okay, this is gonna probably going to happen. This is probably going to happen. This is probably going to happen. And a lot <laughs> like of it kind of does. Like, the like leading up, like the last six episodes are like, this guy's immortal. Fuck. And the next one's like, fuck, this dude's immortal. Shit. And the next one's like, damn, this dude's immortal. Fuck. It's just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. nonstop. And then the fucking thing at the very end is just like, yeah, they stop doing the thing that they do at the beginning. That makes the show interesting. Um, Cause yeah, it feels like it starts to like, you feel like it's about to paint this like very wide swath of like a, like a cool fantasy. Like I, this is, this is my fucking bugbear that I've met. I think I mentioned on this show before. I'm like, why is there not just a good long running fantasy animation show? Just like trad fantasy animation. Why is there not a show that's just that? Everything's got to have some like fucking weird twist on it. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, a, like, like an isekai or like I am a, I am a blob in a, in an isekai anime. I've been transported to this world. I am a skeleton right now. But not even, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It's, it's never like, let's just have a fantasy story. Like the, like imagining like that, um, I don't, there's that show that is by the person who did uh, fuck Futurama that has like this like fantasy show that I forget what the fuck it's called. It's like on Netflix. Disenchanted. But yeah, but it's like fucked, right? It's like it's like Futurama humor, stupidy stuff, whatever, and it's like hard to watch for that. Or it's like a like Berserk kind of like gets the closest to this mm. a little bit, where it's like. Yeah. Yeah, just give but, me like a just like a trad fantasy show. But then you watch. have like the second adaptation that just kind of like totally. I mean, that's shit, all the bullshit, the, right? But it's like the bed. it's not yeah. it. But I'm saying like Ranking of Kings kind of had this feeling at the start where it was like, oh, this is gonna be like just a normal, nor, normal-ish fantasy show about going on an adventure in like a relatively trad fantasy world. And I was like really excited about that. But then like Josh was saying kind of over the scope of the whole show, the world just gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller where like the last like 10 episodes of the show, like the queen is like walking through a courtyard for eight episodes to like meet up with somebody. And it's like all inside the castle walls. And it's just like, Oh man, like, I thought we were going to go someplace cool. And we just it really did the same place. That it really did switch go. gears. Like, halfway through the series, like from core one to core two, then it just became like this whole, like sort of like castle raid and just like this attempted coup. And I'm just like, I wanted to go back to the journeyman stuff where I'm just yeah. watching Boja get stronger and like growing and like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it, it yeah. is still, I mean, I do still like the show. Um, yeah. I'll still there. watch it. I feel like it might go somewhere interesting. Like maybe that the sort of, I don't know. The initial conceit is like a little out of the way. Maybe there's like more because it ends with Boji being like, I'm going to go start my own kingdom. Right. Yeah. Someone. Yeah, so like, so earlier David said one piece is a whole different thing going on in relationship to Naruto, kind of like an amalgamation of fairy tales and trying to build the grandest adventure tale. And now that I, you know, when I'm thinking, when I, when he said fairy tale, I was like, that's an interesting way of putting it. Cause I haven't come across anything that's like, like a fairy tale yet, but I will say one piece it is you know it's seen as like a pirate show and yeah it is about pirates but it is it's a fantasy show in many ways and and it feels I've been thinking about trying to watch one piece for this reason cuz I'm like maybe this is like the thing I'm kind of looking for Yeah it it could be that and I just I didn't realize this before but the first few seasons are actually like quote read mastered they have them in you can watch them in HD um it's not great 
HD. Like mm-hmm. you, there's times where you could tell they're just cutting stuff out of the image. M- machine learning HD it's the, it's upscaling. Not like, yeah. It's not that bad. It's not yeah. that bad. It, it looks like fairly sharp, um, but it it's it's like to the point where it's not like hard to watch. Like some 40, 480p shit is like hard to watch, dude. Some of the, those early Naruto episodes where it's just on a square and all the animation is just bad. It's like, oh God. And I didn't realize <laughs> this, but they had that four by three aspect ratio for a long ass time in Naruto. It, it went in through a good amount of Shippuden. It was like a year into Shippuden when they actually finally changed it, which is crazy. Okay, what else from this year? Attack on Titan well, is this year. Let's see. Yeah, Attack on Titan was this year. Um, I liked Attack on Titan, the final season, part two. Please stay tuned for Attack on Titan, the final season, it's part so three. Dumb. Yeah, it's I was, fucking ridiculous. It finish, I, was I was so like, angry. Are you serious? You're really going to do this? Yeah. That show has actually gotten... <laughs> even crazier that show has yeah. gotten better since it started and yeah. people you know it's funny because polygon was the site that in the back in the day did the whole like nazi thing that i think a lot of people still like see the show as being like that nazi it's like a nazi show or something like that like the, the creators like, of like, fascist show um yeah th- there was that i from the way that I, I i looked at it and how i was like approaching the series when i was following is like you know i understand these criticisms but at the same time like i think that this is still a a, a visually and technically impressive anime and for someone even who may have like reservations about it i'm interested in watching the story unfold um, and also yeah. I, I that's exactly where I was on this because yeah and, and also in it feels like a big anime event and, and it's and it's and it's so feels un- uncommon to like be watching something at the same time as everybody else and everybody's like talking about it even if I'm not like in that discourse like I like to like follow that discourse and see what people are talking about and for me it right. was like it also had not it had yet to actually show me that it was a fascist show in any way shape or form <laughs> because it it is pretty like anti fascist i mean it's it's weird cuz it's like anti ideology and like anti being too devoted to any single cause cuz there's so many different people with different motivations that seem to be like somewhat validated in their actions even when they're doing like atrocities but i think that's kind of like what the show is about where it's about like everyone's drunk off of something everyone's got their own thing that they're chasing blah 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 Um, like can we ever break this cycle of just constantly like beating each other and just like finally move beyond it and maybe we can't and that's sad yeah 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 but it's 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 coming to a head in a very like uh it, it feels like the type of thing where this could go into um end of evangelion territory where it's just like the world ends and weird apocalypse stuff happens i could see that happening with this show that's not how the i don't think that's how the original manga ended but also i know that the reception to the endings of the manga was very split so i'm very interested to see what the studio does with this final part let's Um, go dude let's let's get berserk eclipse shit going on (laughs) 
I mean, just the way that the stakes have gone up feels like it's going there. And also just the yeah. world building is fucking insane. Like yeah. just who, just who thought of this shit, man. It's wild. I gotta check that one out. Yeah. I gotta, but I mean, all these, you also, you, Josh, you sent me a list a while ago. I didn't watch it, but Rebecca watched it and she was really into mob psycho, which I think was last year. Oh, yeah. it was a year or two ago. the third season is coming out, uh, this fall in October on Crunchyroll. So that yeah. show, like the first couple episodes, like it didn't grab me, but then I started watching more. I was like, this is really in like just what's happening with that show is just really interesting and cool. And thematically, it's really neat. There, I, I feel like we're in a bit of a, an anime golden age right now, uh, especially with Ooh. how you know things are being adapted um, and how popular it's getting worldwide. It's really neat. I mean, <laughs> do you, do you, <laughs> the fucking, it's it's funny. It's getting so popular, but it's also funny trying to see like America reckon with its popularity in very American ways. Mm. Like I don't know if you've gone to a Barnes and Noble recently, but there's like the like. Japanese section. It's called something fucking stupid. It's like um some manga sections? Like they got no, manga sections. No, no, no. It's it's okay. like Land of the Rising Sun. And oh it's it's got God. some like fucking stupid name. And it's like yeah. all the like Japanese. It's not just like manga. Yeah. It's like it's like the section Catchy where you go label. buy your like fucking yeah, it's like where you get your like Naruto headband and like Barnes and Noble. It's like this, like it's got this. Fu- I can't remember what the fucking name is. His, it's like- history, history is curling back on itself, back to the era of cool Japan and like just <laughs> marketing, just it marketing things like, hey, this is like, from Japan. Cool yeah. Japan, yeah. It's exactly. like it's literally yeah. some shit like that, which is yeah. just like America just doesn't know how to fucking deal. Yeah, uh, which is you know. I mean, have we? Fine. I think we can end this show on a, a conversation. Well, before we get to our listener mail, but could we talk about Isekai for a second? Yeah. Um, Kyle, are, do you are you familiar with the? <laughs> I think I do not is, know. What I think means. this is a job for Tucson because I can explain. Okay. But it's <laughs> all right. yeah. All right, Isekai is a a subgenre of fantasy in anime and manga that usually starts out um, with a character in a mundane world. Sometimes they are a layabout. Sometimes they're a piece of shit. Sometimes they just don't have any ambitions or anything like that, right? And by some means, they are transported to a fantastical world. Sometimes it's them on their deathbed, right? And they wish to, like, go to some other place. Maybe they want to be transported inside of a video game. Oftentimes, they're hit by a truck. A lot of times, a lot of times, a lot of isekai animes begin with somebody getting hit with a truck and dying or stabbed. And <laughs> or stabbed. And then like, you don't know whether or not it is this all a, uh, a, a, a death whisper in their mind as their soul leaves their body yeah. or are they in a coma or were they actually like somehow transported to another like dimension or universe or whatever. Right. And then they have to like relearn the rules of this world. And at the end of it, they are either by some means or another, it usually ends with them either learning to cope with living in this world and making peace with that, um, or they are transported back to their mundane world, uh, having been changed for this experience. It's like uh, I saw there's, there's like, a, like a like a like a '90s Dungeons and Dragons anime. Oh, no, no show. It wasn't an anime. It was just a television show. Just like look that shit up because that is basically the blueprint of like if you want to understand isekai. 
It's like I Jumanji. I was watching the um, or like the uh, <laughs> fuck what I don't know what it's called. It's the sh- it's like the Netflix anime about the guy who like designs bathhouses in Greece. Oh, Termai Nove Rome. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Or to, to, Termai Rome Nove. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's like he's like lives in like Roman era and then gets transported at the bottom of a bathhouse to like mm. modern Japan. So he like studies modern Japan and like comes back and not dead but like similar yeah it's i mean there's also more details about this too is like there's more details about this subgenre too of isekai which is that a in many isekai the person is able to see like an interface as if they were inside of a video game that's some isekai that's like video game specific niche isekai but there's a good amount of these yeah. And if they are, do not have access to a specific graphical interface that pops up within the context of the show, if that does not exist, in many cases, there's some sort of leveling system where they are either overpowered or underpowered. In any case, a lot of isekai are formulated around some very distinct power structure that is mm-hmm. most of the time based on video games and video game meta. Did you all see... Um- Infinity Train. I watched the first season. I watched the first season. I really enjoyed it. I didn't mean to watch it's, the rest of the series. It gets better and then it gets worse. But it's sort of, this is like an American animated show, but it's sort of similar where basically people, there's like this sort of like Harry Potter night bus equivalent, but it's like a train that can just kind of pick you up and then you get on it and it's unclear if you're like in the afterlife or like where you're going. But to get off the train, there's like a number that you have. And so the number like goes to zero, but it's like unclear how the number actually gets manipulated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sounds. I mean, the, the reason why I bring this similar. up is because of how video gamey Isekai is in many cases. I feel like one of the prototype and correct me if I'm wrong, but the, one of the prototype Isekai was Sword Art Online, right? Well, there's even before Sword Art Online, there was Dot Hack Sign. Oh, right. Dot right, Hack right. Sign was like, like it, it was very much, uh, I feel like it, it was technically an isekai anime where it was about this player who was transported into this uh, massively multiplayer online world. And for some reason, they could not log out. Mm. They could not log out where everybody else was able to log out. And that that was like the whole okay. journey of like, why is it that this character cannot log out? And what is what is with this world? That's all this shit is going on. Yeah. Okay, but that, but that is so. All this is to say that there is a massive genre of anime, and it's not even just anime because webtoons are have a shit ton of isekai in them as well. Um, but that is based around the video game power fantasy of progressing within a world that is not your own, except mm-hmm. instead of you doing that via control and via like a controller and just existing in this kind of fake virtual world you you were actually transported there after death which is i I just feel like there's so much there to unpack when we talk about the the intersection of video games and anime because it's like it's almost taking video games to the next step of like what if video games were real and the fantasy is like what if my preferred fantasy was a real fantasy type of thing and it it also hinges off of the main power fantasy of video games which again is that sense of constant progress and the the vibe 
of like, you know, as long as you grind, as long as you keep clicking on the trees, you're always going to have a house and you're always going to get better and you're always going to do more and more and more. And it's just grafting that onto the concept of a show and is really, I don't know, interesting to me. Um, But I've been watching some isekai recently, like Rising of the Shield Hero. I'm not sure if you've seen Mm. that. Um, I haven't seen that one. Um, Have you seen... What is it called? Mushoko Mushoku Tensei. Tensei. Yeah. Mushoko Tensei, Jobless Reincarnation. I watched a good chunk of that. Yeah, it's it's that's a very problematic protagonist, yes, but I also very, really like that world. The like, animation yeah. is ridiculously good yeah. on that show too. For how fucked yeah. up that show is. That show is like truly awful at times. Like when we <laughs> talk about it being problematic. That's why I dropped it. Like, yeah, yeah, no, no. It, it's like it's there's some stuff where I'm just watching and I'm like, this is fucking, this is, I can't believe they're doing this. This is fucking awful. But, yeah. uh, the animation is incredible. It, and it, it is an isekai. <laughs> the craftsmanship is beautiful. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> so well yeah. Um, that's one where the guy is like a total shut in loser, 30 something <sighs> who has no life. And he gets transported into a, basically a fantasy RPG where he's super yeah. overpowered and has like a very natural mastery over magic and his like nerd. He's just, he's just like a, a natural like ability. It hasn't been harnessed yet, but like he has potential, which is something that is implied that he did not have in his, in his prior life. Yeah. And also like it, it gets more, more complicated. His, his, uh, his now father in this universe is, uh, quite a quite a person okay forespoken the ps5 game is an isekai what is that what's forespoken you don't ever heard about forespoken listen no ps5 games exist because there's not enough ps5 in existence to acknowledge them from a cultural perspective (laughs) oh my goodness oh my goodness uh yeah what was the what was the remedy game that everyone Uh, says is really good everybody says a remedy game is good it was like there's like the launch title, it was like the roguelike, super high production value. The protagonist Frey Holland is a young woman who is transported from New York City to the fantasy world of Athia and uses magical powers to journey through it and survive in order to find her way home. Yeah, that's that's sounds pretty isekai to me. Kyle, when you said remedy, I don't know what for, for what reason I was thinking quantic dream. I'm uh, just like <laughs> remedy doesn't deserve that. Okay, that's, excuse me. The, the game is called Returnal. Oh, Returnal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, House Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Returnal. Yeah. You want to answer some listener yeah, questions? Yeah, let's get some listeners. We got, a, we got just a few. Spoken. For spoken. But that's just gonna be so. Does she have a HUD in her? Like, dude, that would be sick, actually, if, like, when you're in New York, Dead like, there's no HUD. HUD. It's just, like, walking sim, and then you get transported, and, it's a, and you just got controls come out of her arm, and she, she has this whole graphical Oh, interface. Forspoken's not even out yet. No, no, yeah. yeah it's coming out in October. Upcoming release. Um, what do we got? What do we got? Steven asks, how was launching the game? Talked about the start of the podcast. <laughs> getting the How was getting the Rona, Josh? Dude, Damn. we act like Damn, it's just like a sickness or like a cold or something. It's not. Shit sucks, <laughs> man. No, dude. People, yeah, it's, it's it bad. sucks. It's not a not it's a good thing. Scary. It sucks. It's you get like brain fog that like it's and it's like also like you know when you do drugs and you're like or when, or when you smoke weed or something and you're like, am I 
sober again? Like, what's the what's the line? <laughs> yeah, when like, did I unclear. cross that line back into sobriety? Like, what's real? The Charlie or David after dentist? Is this real life thing? That or mm-hmm. is this ever going to end? Type of vibe, but with the brain fog, the coronavirus brain fog, it sucks. And I've been vaccinated and boosted, and yet, yeah, it's it still sucked. And my Symptoms weren't too bad. I had a fever for like two days, but then after that, the brain fog with the sore throat and general uh, plugged faceness of it sucked. So I do not recommend it. Do your best to avoid it. Don't give it to people you love. Uh, and also uh, yeah. the like the like remission period or whatever is like twenty eight days. So even if you get it once, it's not like I've got antibodies and I'm good for a year. It's like. Less than 30 days. Get it again. Uh, David asks about how your tennis game is. Oh, man. Oh, it says, tell me about tennis games and your tennis game. Oh, I actually have a relevant story for this. So let me hear it. I talked about this. I talked about Mario Aces on this show before, and I hated that game because part of, and I swear to God, you can, you can quote me on, you can go back and listen to this episode. But one of the things I like really did not like was that it, there's like a button for a slice shot. There's a button for a flat shot. There's a button for a top spin shot. And I'm just like, it doesn't explain to you like the concepts of tennis. It's never like tennis is a game where you hit the ball. You know, like it never explains that shit. And it never explains like why one would want to use a drop shot or why one would want to use a flat versus a top spin shot. But now that I'm playing tennis in real life, <laughs> by the way, Tucson, this has been like my, a big hobby of mine over the past year. I was, I was playing Mario aces and I was doing so much better. Cause I like actually <laughs> know how tennis works now. That's the reason to play tennis is to get good. at <laughs> So aces. you can get better at Mario tennis. Yeah. Aces. Yeah. That's the only reason. No, it's a, uh, but yeah, it was a cool feeling. And then also continue just love the crap out of this game. Honestly, I'm I have this sensation of constantly getting better, you know, which is not hard because like I just started a year ago. And yeah. Um I was watching this, I watched like YouTubers who post videos of themselves playing games or something. It's like, could a relative new player beat a five or five point And the relative new, the new player has been playing for six years. <laughs> so it's like, it's such a technique based game that like you need to be playing for like that long to really like start picking mm-hmm. up on the nuances of how you actually play the game. So, but it's, it's wild because you see people and they hit the ball hard, right? Like you see pros yeah. playing, they're smacking that ball. But do you know how hard it is to hit the ball hard and like have it stay in like to get to that point like to know how hard you need to like hit the ball respective like relative to where you are on the court it's not even just that like it's what you're how you need to hit the ball technique wise because in order to have it stay in you need to hit the ball with spin which means you need to be able to like brush up on the ball as you hit it etc etc there's like a lot of complex things behind like how you hit the ball and how you get it to stay in but all that stuff takes a very long time to learn because like you start out and your first instinct is not to hit the ball at all you just want to deflect it back with your racket you know 
Because if you hit it, it's like always going to go out or you'll hit it outside of the people will just I play with friends who it's like their first time playing and they just they're just constantly hitting balls out of the fences. Whereas like I don't even really lose balls outside the fence anymore. But then you have to like break that down and like learn how to like start actually swinging at the ball and like building that up and then how to generate spin. There's so many details of how you can play the game and so many different types of shot that you can do and then developing your own personal style. It's just really complex and cool game and uh, continue to learn. So it's, it's also very relatable for, to people who play video games because I feel like the arc of how you get better is similar to how one would in video games. But yeah. You're saying you play tennis because it feels like you're in your own shonen series. Yeah, I feel like it is it's shonen. Um, <laughs> Rise to the top. Yeah, but we got Rise a couple. We got like just like a couple more minutes left. Let's maybe take one more question All and right. then we wrap up. How would you rank the Bioshocks? I'd rank them one, two, infinite. I never played two. I feel like that's the. That's but I think right like one. Uh, Actually, no. I I like infinite. I think infinite is a fun game to play, even if it has all its like political problems and shit. Yeah. Um, One infinite two. I haven't, I haven't played uh Bioshock one or two in a while. And I replayed Bioshock infinite a while ago. Like recently I did not enjoy it. Did not enjoy as much as I enjoyed it when it launched. Um, maybe I'll put it Bioshock two, Bioshock one, Bioshock infinite. All right. Two questions for you. Are there any music artists you'd like to make a game soundtrack? Hmm. That's a good question. That's a good question. Now I'm just thinking about uh, the French electronic artist Danger, who I think he made like a like a soundtrack for uh, what's it called Haven. It's called oh, Haven. It's I like remember. Yeah, oh, yeah, like I remember that game. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's even like a game model in that too. It's like um, I guess Flying Lotus. I, I was going to say Flying Lotus. Flying Lotus. Yeah. literally going to say Flying Lotus. That would be yeah. sick. Yeah. Flying Lotus on Silent Hills directed by Hideo Kojima. <laughs> <laughs> we, can all, we can all dream. We can all dream. Didn't Josh, say it has to be realistic. Last questions for you. Can you think of any game adaptations of books? And if so, what are your favorite? What? Uh, Dante's Inferno. <laughs> <laughs> Great way to end the podcast. (laughs) Thank you, Tuz, for being on the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming on. Where can people find you? Uh, And maybe if there's anything you want to plug. Uh, Let's see. You can find me on Twitter at the Saint of Tuz, T-O-U-S. And you can find my writing on Polygon. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for being here again. We are Bad End Podcast. Uh, We will continue to be putting out cool stuff. Check out our merch going to be dropping soon enjoy our new design um just find us on twitter at bad end podcast our email is bad pod at gmail.com patreon.com slash bad end rate us and review us on itunes um check out all of our friends at Superculture, also doing amazing things congrats zach coatser on becoming an editor over at lock on freaking love that magazine Funland coming out dude we got so many great things heterotopia's new issue coming out soon just check out all of our stuff there we've got some amazing things in the pipeline continuing updates for cantata and check us out tell your friends tell your friends tell your friends later see everybody
Thank <laughs> you.